Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Reports Weekly Cyber Report, sponsored by Fortress Information Security. I'm your host, Vago Maradian. Joining us today is my good friend, Philip Niedemeyer, a managing director at the Ward and Berry Law Firm. He is also the chairman of the Board of Advisors uh, at the National Cyber Group, as well as a senior advisor uh, on the Cyberspace Solarium 2.0 Commission. Uh, Philip, uh, it's great to have you back on the program, and it's been great to see you at so many events out and about as we all get more out and about. Vago, it's great to be out and about. It was a, certainly a privilege to join you, and I saw how busy and focused you were on the HMS Queen Elizabeth in New York Harbor. I feel like I should be saying, welcome, lords, ladies, and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, indeed, it was uh, uh, it was an honor to be aboard uh, uh, His Majesty's Navy's uh, flagship. Uh, oh, well it was done. Particularly, particularly poignant uh, that it was Queen Elizabeth uh, that was there, uh, obviously uh, with uh, Her Majesty's passing, uh, and indeed Lord Sedwill uh, being the host of the event and Stephen Watson, and it was certainly uh, very, very thought provoking. And, and we're going to get to all of that in a minute. But before we get started, our daily coverage is sponsored by Bell. Uh, our global coverage is sponsored by Leonardo DRS. Fortress Information Security sponsors our weekly cyber report, and Northrop Grumman supports our cyber coverage overall. General Atomics Aeronautical Systems sponsors our strategy coverage, ultra intelligence and communications, sponsors our command and control coverage, and our coverage of the Association of the United States Army's annual meeting uh, and trade show was sponsored by Safran and Leonardo uh, DRS. Again, uh, great to have you back on the program. Uh, you are a Solarium 2.0 Commission uh, participant. Um, we've heard often from Mark Montgomery, indeed, uh, who was executive director of uh, the first Solarium Commission. He is also, like you, a senior advisor and commissioner on uh, the 2.0 uh, version. Uh, each participant brings special skills and, and focus to this. Uh, you advised uh, the first Solarium Commission uh, at Chris Inglis's, uh, now the National Cyber Director's invitation, um, because you've always been focused on the importance of cyber education and indeed been groundbreaking on that. And, and your um, the new group, the Sci National Cyber Group, works on cyber edu edu education, but also recruiting and bringing talent uh, into the workplace. You've worked government industry partnerships and also supply chain. Um, where do you think the commission in its 2.0 uh, iteration making progress and where do you think it needs work against all of these issues? So, so first of all, it is a privilege to work with Rear Admiral Mark Montgomery every single day. He is a force of nature and a man of extraordinary integrity. And uh, everything we do is carefully thought through for the benefit of the nation. And although we are not perfect by any means, I think the amount of legislative and private sector and academic action that's occurring with now a very, very tiny uh, paid staff and a large, somewhat larger volunteer staff is, tr is truly admirable. Um, in terms of those three check boxes, uh, I, I, I will come to education last. Uh, the, the private partnership piece uh, still is a struggle um, and, and we are working on it hard and we are working through various partnerships. I'm gonna highlight Simani for this discussion uh, I was just the keynote speaker um, at their conference in uh, Albany, New York at the GE uh, Research Center. It was a privilege to be there with my friend Howard Grimes and to talk about the overall mission and to meet many partners who are seeking to take action in the vital supply chain challenge. So if you look at it from a 
global standpoint and not just the CMMC uh, standpoint, we have a core component which we need to address. And that is the concept that defending our data in manufacturing has to be end to end. And we must not offer alternative products that um, have a cheaper price when they don't contain cybersecurity. So those are the two sort of framed issues that, that we have to look at. And it isn't just about our supply chain that is the end point of the DOD. It has to be the supply chain of everything um, because without that, um, we are truly not defending our freedom. Yeah, so give us your sense on um, how the supply chain is, is doing this because it leads me to uh, the next question, Philip, uh, right? In the end, cyber in the decades I've covered it has been looked at as a, you know, cybersecurity has been a burden, uh, seen as a cost, as opposed to cyber being seen as the critical enabler of everything from economic health to national uh, security. And even though we know that, companies, for example, like Colonial Pipeline got themselves in hot water by short, by underinvesting in their cybersecurity. So, yes, you know, when you talk about this systemic answer, how do we need to change our mindset to, to regard cyber, as, cyber and cybersecurity investment as an enabler instead of a burden and a cost uh, where we sort of nickel and dime ourselves and then pay a terrible price at the, at the other end of it? Yeah, so let's imagine instead of starting out and calling it cybersecurity, let's say it was just cyber. And we were creating the cyber domain to allow for the birth of the digital economy. And then we said that in order to have the digital economy, we needed to defend the data that was transmitted in this cyber thing. And I think that's the mindset we need, because we go back 20 years when the digital economy was in its nascent stage. And, and we were, you know, 20 percent of our economy. I'm picking a number. Uh, it's not something to go validate or <laughs> fact check. Um, but say in the early stages, we quickly reached 20 or 30 percent. And it was sort of a random uh, development in, in industries, obviously banking and financial services were there and other distribution things became uh, more focused on the development of it. And as accounting practices became integrated and the ability to manufacture and research became part of the sort of checkoff boxes of things we included in the data we collected. I mean, we can remember some of us when scanning didn't exist in gro grocery stores. And I always like to look at this the scanning of a can of beans, right? So you go into the grocery store, you buy one item 25 years ago and you paid for it with cash and it was run out of the register and nobody had a clue that it was actually sold. But now when you go in and you buy that same can of beans, literally it can be set up by the retailer that when that happens, the, you know, the person growing the beans is notified they've got to start growing more. I mean, I'm right. stretching it to the nth degree here to make it clear on what we actually do. The digital economy has allowed America to maintain its competitive advantage. Costs have been cut. Uh, administrative functions have been much more effective. Management tools have been built around this. And yet we focus on the one end of it, which is the defending of the data. Vital, but really the cost savings and the um, facilitation and enabling of us, our economy, the US economy, dominating digital economy is a vital tool for building and growing our business and maintaining our, our, our global economic um, dominance. And if you look around the world, uh, the Benelux countries, the Nordic countries, um, 
the UK, Australia, New Zealand, uh, and Britain, and I mean, and America and Germany really are it. The other countries have only partially um, digitized their economy, and we have a huge advantage because of it. Um, and and what you know, you um, uh, speak tirelessly, and you mentioned you were just up in Albany. Uh, and, uh, you know, you two in your own right are a force of nature, uh, Philip, for anybody who knows you and how you engage on so many levels with so many different people. Um, and you're also an evangelist and have been sort of making the case for investment. Um, our our uh, mutual friend, JC Vega, uh, co-founder of the Army Cyber Institute and, and another leading thinker, you know, have been making this case. Ultimately, do you think that it's connecting, right? I mean, the administration is working this on many, many more levels. Uh, CISA and Jen Easterly are working very, very hard on the issue, on improving industry uh, and government partnership, uh, on improving security. Do you notice in industry kind of, you know, like the, the big guys get it. The banks were first to get it, as JC would point out, right? Uh, because there yeah. was a lot of money. I, I'd say credit card companies got it before banks did. Okay, but credit yeah. card companies and banks. But where are we in the process? And I spent of 14 sort of... years working for one, so I have a little bit of experience it, 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 with so. it. Exactly. Uh, so, and you bear uh, the scars. I, I think uh, you're spot on. And if you look at what occurred, there were a number of runs at trying to create the framework, right? We, we had a working group at the end of the, uh, of the Bush administration back in 2008. I'm always reminded about that by my dear friend, Sean Henry, over there at CrowdStrike. Then we had a run at trying to build a framework with the cyberspace moonshot program. And now under the guidance, if you like, of the great Senator John McCain, we created the Solarium Commission, which created a framework for how to deliberately build a roadmap for our nation's cybersecurity policies. And from that, I believe other agencies were influenced. This is my opinion only, and I'm not speaking on behalf of the commission for, for clarity here, but I believe that because of that, other agencies and other businesses and the Defense Department all got more clarity on how to build a structure for management of cybersecurity. And yes, all of these things are part of it. And I commend Jen Easterly, our entire team at CISA. I commend the, the, what the EOP has done, uh, particularly Chris DeRush, uh, the Fed CISO, and his software uh, definition on, on a security plan for that. I, I even commend the European Commission and, and their initiation of their Cyber Resilience Act. I, be, I believe uh, that all of these were somewhat influenced out of our success in creating this path called the Cyberspace Solarium Commission. Um, but, but do you see a, a palpable change in how companies are investing and how um, the, you know, we can understand on a government side, you can sort of see the progress a little bit more, but what are you picking up given that we're only as strong as our weakest link on this, right? right. Uh, and so if you're Niedermeyer Meradian, uh, on a gigantic program, Lockheed may be well de defended, but we might not be, and yet we still have a lot of very secret sauce going on. Do you see? Yeah. A, do you see companies changing their their mindset and their investment as a result? Uh, there, there are still gaps. There's still big gaps. But I would also, and I would fail to mention, if I, if I didn't mention this, the NSA is itself engaged. Uh, there's a DIB program headed up by Christina Walter in their Cyber Collaboration Center that Rob. Joyce is leading as well. And they are providing to members of the DIB that have contracts with the DOD and they don't need to be prime, um, three basic cybersecurity capabilities at, at, at no charge. So 
you know, the government's doing their piece and we are in fact, through the roadmap educating. I think, you know, if I would have paint a, a uh, picture of what I would like to happen with the Solarium Commission, I think those of us who are advocates, we must speak to it, to the private sector with a bit of a louder, clearer voice. Because of course, on March the 11th, I think it was when I was in the Hart building and Mark and the team of Senator King, Representative Gallagher, and, and, and a tremendous group of VIPs launched it. We did not know that two days later, the world was going to shut down in essence for a couple of years almost. So that connective, connective tissue to the private sector in the middle market was not as strong as it should have been. Uh, but we were also got, got an awful lot done because of the difficult operating environment, which drove us harder. So there was two outcomes, one positive and one negative, less connectivity to the lower middle market, but more definition of the product because of the difficult challenges we faced. Um, I, I, I remember that that was the last public event I did. It was lovely seeing you, Mark, uh, Senator King, uh, Gallagher. We had a great conversation with Tom Fanning uh, as yes, well, who was uh, a commissioner. And, and Suzanne Spalding. And I had six cadets from VMI with me, and I was very proud to say that, sir. Uh, in absolutely. addition to many other guests, it was great. It was uh, a, a terrific event. Let me let me take you. You know, you you mentioned uh, bringing uh, cadets on, and anybody who knows you knows that one of your greatest focuses, or one of your great focuses and passions, has been education. And you've spent decades in a field, even though you're not a tech. You know, so you're one of the world's leading cyber experts, but you're not a technical Careful. cyber person. <laughs> well, uh, right. Uh, even a broken clock's right twice a day, right, Philip? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, right. But in in your right. You understand these issues, have advocated uh, for them. Uh, we heard from uh, the UK uh, cyber ambassador, Juliet Wilcox, a couple of weeks ago, when, and we met her uh, aboard HMS Queen Elizabeth. Uh, and she talked about the need to bring more diverse uh, talent, that it's not only technical people uh, we need to uh, attract uh, to uh, the field. Um, what's the approach, you know, and, and JC Vega has joined us a couple of times to talk about, look, if, if we keep training cyber people the way we've trained them, we're never going to meet the, the skill, the, the jobs shortfalls. From your standpoint, what has to happen to bring more and more diverse talent into the cyber uh, career field? Because, you know, the, the believers believe it. And then right. there's a sense it's only for technical people. But as Juliet told us, we need accountants, we need people who are good at math, we don't need necessarily purely technical folks. We need behavioral psychologists, right? How do you, how do we do this? How do we do this as an, as a nation? Because we're trying, but it's not abundantly clear we're making the kind of progress that we need to. So there are three parts to this. First, there's, uh, well, there's four there. First, the gender issue, which you've got to correct. Our industry was born by women account computers. When my grandfather was building ships, uh, the computers were ladies who had calculate, you know, handheld calculators, right? Uh, adding machines, and, and we've excluded so many women from the, our industry. We need to include them. Uh, minorities have to have an open and clear playing field, so they have a path to us. Uh, the third part is this creative component, where we need to have a broader, diverse uh, palette of personnel who would join us because their creative and problem solving can be part of the cyber gamut of resources. And, and, and the, 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 fourth, the fourth piece is that we as a, a community need to inspire participation. We are lacking the inspiration that needs to be clear. We need a clear message. Ron and Cindy Gula 
um, talk, about, talk about data care rather than cybersecurity because they think it's a simpler way to understand the message and the mission. I, I agree with them wholeheartedly. Uh, as a challenge we have, we go to RSA. I love the show. I love the support of it. And we get amongst our community and everyone gets excited. And we think that the rest of the world outside of that conference knows what we do. And they don't. And they don't understand that it isn't the money that it's in their bank we're defending. It's everything from the oxygen to the food to their air in their tires. All of it has some type of digital component now defended by cybersecurity. Um, it really is, uh, you know, Ron and Sydney, as usual, have sort of hit the nail on the head, right? It, it's about if you put it in data terms, people have a tendency of understanding it more than a sort of obscure sort of cyber and it's it's a it's a technical thing. Uh, and I remember Richard Clark, right, for many years saying, look, each one of us is actually an information company. It's just that we do very different things with that information. Um, you know, whether it's a news organization, whether it's, um, you know, a car maker or, or what have you, right? I mean, when the Sony uh, attacks had taken place, you know, Sony is an information company that just happens to use that information uh, to make uh, enter, uh, entertainment. Um, let me take you to uh, takeaways from recent uh, conferences and, and events. Uh, you uh, and I tend to run into uh, each other at these events, uh, as was the case uh, aboard uh, Queen Elizabeth, as uh, you know, you were at the uh, Association of the United States Army show. Uh, we're going to talk about the Webster Awards in a minute. Uh, and the law enforcement component of it, because um, you weren't able to make it to the Air and Space Forces Association Conference because you were in Dallas uh, for the International Association of the Chiefs of Police meeting. Um, give, give us kind of your AUSA uh, takeaways uh, from a cyber uh, perspective. So I'm going to be cold and to the point. I, I was quite disappointed. I, someone had reached out to me to be a fill-in speaker because someone had to cancel at the last moment. I couldn't because of my schedule, sadly. But I went by our cyber booth and, and I noted that the main people sitting, listening to the presentations were other speakers. This is wrong, this is bad, and we need to address it. So that's what struck me in the face. I, I saw some cybersecurity on the floor and it was being well presented and we do a great job of presenting to, in that environment. It's in other environments we struggle. So my comment would be, I was concerned by lack of support of the education series that we had. I think it should have been more engaged. And I was overall, as usual, impressed by those cyber products that were on the floor. And I had some technical people there pointing out to me what their capabilities were, Vagos. You know, I'm always surrounded by John Quigg and Peter Watts and some force right. of nature's that uh, allow me to get the grasp of what this product does and why it's needed. Um, you, you, whenever it comes to cyber, I know you're always uh, very funny about this, but you make it seem as though you're a caveman lawyer. You know, I'm just a caveman and don't know anything about the, your tort law. And, and you know a lot more about technical cyber, by the way, than, than some, some very, very technical people. Uh, but I appreciate your modesty on it. Um, uh, it, it was interesting that it was cyber. It was the group talking to each other in the cyber uh, warriors corner, whereas um, excuse me, in the, in the cyber corner of things, whereas in the warrior's corner, it was much, much better attended by a far broader- uh, Much better, and we shouldn't have separated them. I argue it should not have been separated. I, I, would, uh, I would agree with you uh, on that. And in yep. all of these conferences, there is talk about cyber, but it doesn't take sort of a central, uh, as central a role as it, as it, as it needs to have. 
So uh, if you consider the future forum where cyber was the preeminent discussion point in so many of the of the, right. the conversations, even if it didn't start with that, that way it wasn't even the topic. Because when it came to Ukraine, the initial onslaught by the, the, the Soviets, uh, intentionally said, um, was <laughs> so well rebuffed because the, the well had been well prepared, right? And right. we had... Uh, and I'm not going to mention anything, but there was a lot of preparation work so that the Russians wouldn't be able to just drive their tanks into Kiev. And it was cyber driven with drones and other things. Yeah. So so you you mentioned the AFF, right? I mean, there was an enormous, you're right that many of the conversations began as sort of like almost classical, um, you know, lessons learned and what have you. But then we ended up actually spending an enormous amount of time in these discussions, talking about cyber, talking about innovation, talking about data, talking about artificial intelligence, talking about innovation, uh, indeed, at, at a very base level. What were some of the other key kind of takeaways? Because you and I were there start to finish. Um, what were the things that jumped out at you that you thought were, were most interesting? Well, I was disappointed by the fact that uh, there was not formal representation by Finland and Sweden there. And considering that they're on the doorsteps of joining NATO, they should have been. As it happens, I brought Tommy Virtanen, uh, CEO of Ension, a Finnish company. and He was literally the only representation of those two uh, nations present. So that, that was a negative. On a positive side, access. So I had a co- deep conversation with General Sanders about actual a- activities and requirements. And he was proactive and responsive and engaged. And it was that was reflective of many other of the conversations. There were three ministers from the British government there. I do feel that America was either not as well invited as it should have been, or they, it was a scheduling issue that challenged some attendance. You're uh, being very diplomatic. And when you mean General Sanders, you mean General Sir Patrick Sanders, who's chief of the general staff. Uh, I did. And was and, and, and had, uh, you know, almost every one of his interjections and conversations were very thoughtful. I mean, it was it was a terrific uh, um, uh, uh, conference from uh, that standpoint. Uh, it let me truly quickly, was exceptional. Um, let, it, we're running short on time and we've got uh, two uh, 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 questions. Uh, one, um, you know, we always have a tendency of talking about uh, cyber from a national security perspective, but it's also a very, very important law enforcement issue. And indeed, the Solarium Commission talked about, you know, the importance of, of having a cyber crime reporting element, uh, you know, and, and we're certainly uh, working on that. You attended the Webster Awards and uh, the Inter- International Association of the Chiefs of Police meeting. What were the takeaways in terms of how law enforcement are stepping up their game or not in this case? Well, first and foremost, there's a real there's a real focus and awareness. The second thing is there's also an understanding that they lack some of the tools they need and they're working to get them. Third thing is that the fusion centers are being used as a sort of central archery of the uh, collection of points of shared capabilities and data. And all of that speaks well to the community. And I think that, you know, with the leadership of people like Ron Brooks, bringing folks together socially and building sort of these networks of great value uh, that he does, and others who are engaged in the technical end, I I think from the uh, law enforcement and the policing standpoint, we we are moving forward rapidly. And I'm very encouraged. Um, Let me uh, end on a uh, sad note. 
your good friend, Dr. Scott Dade, uh, who was the director uh, of the schools, uh, I should say, of cybersecurity, cryptology, business, and foreign languages at Fort Gordon, uh, tragically uh, passed away. He was a retired U.S. Air Force Master uh, Sergeant, uh, but somebody who was critically important in preparing a new generation of talent for the National Security Agency but, uh, and elsewhere. Uh, across uh, government. He died suddenly recently, um, late last month at the age of 60, and it was a terrible loss. What's his legacy? His legacy in one word is champion. Champion in the British sense um, that people say, because his wife was from Northern England, and people would say he's champion, meaning he's a great and good person, and champion because he made champions. He made a champion of me. He made a champion of Ed Davini. made a champion of many of us who he served and who he advocated for. You could not ask for a better friend, more devoted, committed uh, colleague, and um, someone whose thoughtfulness and leadership is, is so rare, I will probably never see it again. And um, after, um, we, uh, after his uh, funeral um, was completed and the honor guard completed their role, I had the privilege of awarding Tracy, his dear wife, the, from the Military Cyber Professionals Association, the Gold Order of Thor. And uh, I will never forget that. And I had wanted to give it to Scott when he was alive because I'd nominated him for it. Um, and I never got to tell him that. And I mentioned that at the end because he'd want me to remind people, tell the people you care about how much you care about them. He was very good at that. And on that note, I will... Uh, I will end and return the microphone to you because I'm a little emotional. <laughs> that was uh, that was wonderful, uh, Philip, uh, and and thanks very much. And um, a life well read and unfortunately tragically cut short. Uh, yeah. But certainly, uh, it's it's great um, to have the posthumous uh, recognition. Um, and and certainly, I know that uh, Scott would appreciate that. Sir, thanks very much. It's always a pleasure having you on. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time, but would love to have you come back. Uh, again, and join us for another uh, thoughtful conversation, Philip. Thanks so very much. Really appreciate it. And all the very best to you. Yep. Vago, the mission continues. We must stay dedicated to it, engage, serve, and seek to inspire others to join us in this critical mission for our nation. Uh, in, indeed it is. And again, my deepest sympathies on uh, Scott's passing. Thank you very much.